0: And welcome to the Bardic College Behind the GM Screens. I'm Rich. I'm Raz. And this is where we speak with DMs, GMs, keepers, storytellers, and everybody else who helps bring your tabletop game to life. We are now in Season 2. This is our first episode of the new year.
1: Yeah, very exciting.
0: Uh, We've had a lot of, uh, you know, well, we've had soon to be three different uh, voices talking about how they run things. Our, our main topic today is going to be something that uh, probably a lot of uh, gamekeepers, game masters don't have to deal with, that is, you know, running con games. And of course, over the past, you know, almost year now, there have been no con games. Nobody's been able to, to have these conventions, run these convention games, except for online, which is a completely different beast than running it in person. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, hopefully with some of the the vaccines, uh, some of the the precautions that are being put in place and getting through this winter, hopefully with everyone staying safe, we'll be able to start having conventions come late spring, early summer.
1: Yeah, that puts us right back into our guest's wheelhouse because I met this gentleman at Origins a couple years ago. And he was a delight to meet there. He was really uh, very friendly, very helpful. I had, um, you know, I I had my own way of doing things as far as style wise coming in as a player. And I was put to my table in a very large um, gallery where they were running multiple Call of Cthulhu games. And afterwards, I was lucky enough to win, you know, role player at the table. And uh, I met Matt as he escorted me to the prize table and said, pick any of these on this tier. I was like, yay. <laughs> and then uh, we kind of just uh, met there and kind of stayed in touch via the web a little bit. And uh, things happened. And now we're, we're back kind of in touch, getting ready, hopefully, for next year's uh, convention center sessions. So, um, yeah, let's uh, – I'm, I'm excited. Matt, Matthew's got a lot of, uh, lot of knowledge, and he's been out there a while doing this. So I can't wait to talk to him.
0: All right. So, you know, now that we've brought him up, let's bring him in. This is Matthew McLeod, who is the creator of the Lurking Fears Group. Welcome, Matthew.
2: Hello. Hello. How are you doing? Doing well. How have you been? Doing great. Thank you so much for asking. So,
0: uh, you know, you run the Lurking Fears Group. Uh, Tell
2: us a little bit about it. Uh, Lurking Fears Group I created in the past year, honestly. I've been involved with cons since forever. In uh, <laughs> one way or another, either, either in the staff or, 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 just helping out with the con in general. But, uh, I created Looking Fears to be more of an open resource for, uh, players who, who want to run games at a con, but don't know a whole lot about how to do it. Uh, I've, I've been in the know for a while. I know a lot of people at, at cons and, and, uh, we run, we set up several different, uh, uh, gaming events at cons ourselves but ultimately as i'm getting older and my time for to do this stuff is becoming more and more limited i'm trying to set myself up to where i'm more of a resource for you know i guess i just want to say the next generation of people who are wanting to come in that don't know a whole lot about it and can say hey you know how, do you know the people at this con can i how do i talk to them about setting up games how do i schedule you know uh are there any, anybody, anybody, uh, is anybody able to offer me like some prize support or anything like that? And uh, that's what I'm really trying to set myself up as with this particular group, Lurking Fears, to be more of a behind the scenes kind of a, a, a font of knowledge, I guess you want to say, to be able to do that. I still enjoy running games at cons and stuff like that and, and, and organizing events, but I'm, I'm trying to scale that back <laughs> again as I'm getting older and stuff like that. and. And uh, again, time's time, time, uh, time is becoming more of an issue. So, lurking
0: fears. Um, I'm assuming Call of Cthulhu was lurking fears. Uh, does it cover any
2: other game systems? Uh, we actually are really open to just about any and all game system. We 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 prefer the more horror and grim dark kind of thing. That's more of our wheelhouse, I guess you want to say. Uh, but. Uh, we are open to any and all people that are wanting to run any kind of games, uh, you know, whether it's a superhero game or sci fi or what have you. Uh, I mean, I've run just about every kind of game you can think of. And so I can usually at least talk generally about any kind of game and help them get set up to do uh, a game.
0: So if I decide I want to, you know, Go with lurking fears and run a Hellboy game. You'd be all in. I'd be
2: all in, absolutely. I could point you to the people you need to know know about, the publishers, and all that good stuff. Yeah,
1: excellent. Yeah, that's an amazing thing to have. You know, to to be that kind of a, the go between, a liaison person. Because it, it is true. So many times when you're a GM, you're you're so busy. You know, like everybody else, but you're you're also creating or writing or publishing c- content. And then to get out there and actually know the promoter of that convention, get the table space you need in a time slot that works for your schedule, either with work or family and, and have someone who can kind of represent you or at least say, yeah, I know this person. And if you work with them, they're going to give you a good product. That's, that's a really, that's a great thing. And it's, I, I, I applaud you for this idea because somebody needs to be out there doing this a little bit more for people. And I'm glad, you know, you're, you're a good guy to pick up that mantle.
2: Oh, thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank you.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've thought about running uh, at conventions multiple times and having been to conventions, unless you're part of a group or you know you're going to have, you know, six, eight, ten people that want to see your game run or want to participate in your game, the, the thought of trying to get it all set up and actually get people to join when there's, you know, 500 different games all running at the same time, Uh, you know, really difficult and really uh, intimidating, especially for somebody who's just starting to, to really get comfortable and want to get out and run at conventions.
2: Absolutely, yeah. I've helped a lot of GMs that have, you know, never run a game at a con, don't know where to go or who who to go to or something like that. And it's all networking. I mean, it really is. I've learned that really on early on and in, in doing this con stuff. I've been I've been uh, working at cons for at least twenty years. I've been gaming for about thirty. Uh, so, you know, you, you tend to get to know everybody uh, once you get get to get, get spent that much time in. Uh, and, and doing doing conventions and stuff like that. So uh, to see the new people that, you know, uh, networking through like, you know, Facebook or, or Twitter or whatever, uh, the, you know, the different people that are like, hey, I'd like to run a game, but I don't know, you know, how to get this started. Or, or even just somebody who just wants to run a game at home. They're like, hey, what, do, what, what kind of stuff do I need to get started running a game? I love to be able to just jump in and say, hey, you know, let me point you towards this or towards towards that, uh, you know, save you a lot of money. Don't get that, <laughs> you, know, you know, and stuff like that, uh, you know, and, and just be able to say, Hey, you know, this is the people that, that you need to talk to, to be able to get stuff organized, to be able to get your table, uh, determine if there's a, a, a desire for your game. Maybe, maybe it's sometimes I got to tell them, say, Hey, I just don't think anybody's going to want to try that particular game. Maybe try this game to warm them up to you and then spring that game
1: on them. <laughs> you know, to see how it works. the The thing that I always find fascinating is, you know, you'll look at a Kickstarter program or or project or something like. Um, I know one that was successful was um a Jane Austen RPG, right? Where you're just sitting there playing characters. You're playing the Mister Darcys and oh yeah, yeah. And you and you say to somebody, "Listen, I know you bought the book and you love the game, but at a convention when they've got a thousand options, is this going to be the RPG? Sure, you might be that niche." for those four or five people that are diehard Jane Austen. Players. Exactly. But are you going to be able to sell the tickets or will you be sitting there alone? Because at the same time, all of the friends of the Jane Austen players are at the Adventures League. So, 100%, 100% correct.
2: Yeah, 100% correct. I run, run into that quite a bit. And again, you know, it, it, it is just a matter of once you get them to dig your style, then you can say, hey, how about we try this? You know, so give them something that you that the people are used to. Give them the meatloaf or the spaghetti or whatever it is they're used to, and then say, "Hey, let's try this." <laughs> you know, you know that's, that's usually what I try to go. That's my route.
1: Matthew, did you just create comfort food GMing? I totally did. I totally
2: did. <laughs> I just. It's brilliant. I'm gonna trade. I'm gonna trademark that right now. I'm gonna do I'm gonna create meatloaf RPG. That's my there.
0: Exactly. So there's, I'm sure there's a huge, well, maybe not a huge difference between running a convention scenario versus running that same scenario at home. Uh, What are some of the differences that, that you run, uh, that that you have to keep in mind when you're running at home versus, you know, at an origins or at a gen.
2: Oh, I I definitely say uh, the two biggest factors is, Time and the people. I mean, it you know it seems it sounds obvious, but it re, you know it's really the biggest biggest part. Uh, at a con, you know, you usually have like a four to five hour window that you've got to get that game under, and like literally, you know, the guy that's running the tables will push you guys off that table if you're not done that time. You know, so the next people next people can get done. So you really got to watch the clock and be able to be able to push the game ahead if they're behind. Or be able to call a break or something like that if they're moving too fast. You know, I mean, you don't want to finish a four-hour game in like two and a half hours. I've done that and it sucks. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, um, it sometimes it just happens. Like they 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 will just blaze through the material and you're like, oh, we're 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 done, guys. And as long as everybody's had a great time, I tend not to feel too bad about it. You know, you know, I'm like, you know, they all feel like they've got their 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 money's worth out of the game because they usually just been ripping right along and everybody having a great time. Uh, that's, that's, that's a very rare instance, but you know, it does happen. But at the same time, you want to make sure that you don't go too long. Uh, whereas at home you can definitely take your time and, uh, and, uh, you know, stretch that into a couple sessions if you need to, I'm actually currently running a Cthulhu game that I'm notorious for running <coughs> at, at cons. It's an old pagan publishing game called, uh, Coming full circle. I'm not sure if you all are familiar with that one. No, I'm not. Oh, it's a fantastic campaign. It's a little. It's like a three. It's actually a four part campaign, but I cut out the, the third one uh, because I hate
1: witches. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but it's all uh, like non mythos horror set with Call of Cthulhu rules. It's uh, it's there's no Byakis, there's no Shagas, there's no nothing like that. It's ghosts and vampires and 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 wizards and you know witches and evil wizards. Mm-hmm. And it's fantastic because the players come into the game thinking, oh, you know, this is deep ones. No, it's not. (laughs) You know, it's just this this ghost over here. It's a spirit or whatever. And uh, I I love running it. I love running it in three parts. And it's hard to do it at con because it is three parts. Because to to make sure that you get the same players back every game, every session is a true challenge. Uh, But running it at home, you know, you've got like your set amount of people and you're like, Uh, you know, we are we're going to play through, play through that and, and get through there, but you can definitely take more time to stretch this out. I've, I've, uh, I've run, uh, the same scenarios, but have almost like doubled my time because they can really get into the meat of the, uh of the game and investigate all the NPCs in the little town and, and talk to everybody, you know, where there's, and this one, we're like, you know, we're kind of under a gun. I, you know, we got, we got a clock. Let's, let's move this along. So do you have like certain
0: tricks you do? Um, do you like go through a, a scenario before a convention game and, you know, highlight areas where like, all right, if we're running behind, I can cut this out. I can cut this out. I can, I can speed this part up or is it just, Wherever things are at that point, you just try and go with it from there.
2: Uh, yeah, I, I really try to, uh, and that's where, where I think my strength as a GM is, I try to be a highly adaptive GM. Uh, I try to really do, just react to what the other players are doing. Uh, like, I will just get, like, the gist of the game. Like, I, w- I will read through everything in it several times before I play, but I want to make sure that I have just, the, the like, the plot down firmly in my mind. And then when I go to run the game, I don't look at the book. Do not look at the book. Uh, I just ha- I have I have like a, a sheet of like the names and people and stuff like that, places and times and stuff like that, uh, like a cheat sheet, just so I don't won't, won't have to keep going back through the book to look up you know John Henry's name or whatever, and uh, and uh, but then basically I just give them the plot hook, and let them run with it. And a lot of times, you know, they they will go on. They will they will follow the the general outline of the story as I present it. But if they go off the the heels off go off the, the rails a little bit of it of it in the game, I uh, yeah I definitely try to herd them herd them at least into the general direction. I don't try to just say no, nope, we're off the rails. Let's get back on the rails. I will change the rails to where they're going. <laughs> you know, uh try try to make sure that they were that even though they've gone off track a little bit, we, we're we all arriving at the same destination. So that the things still fall where they may, but maybe not as the original story outlined.
1: Matt, do you think as a skill that uh is difficult for GMs adaptability, right? Because we all we all want to be that adaptive guy. But when you especially on homebrew campaigns or something that you bring to a convention that may have some you know a piece of that story that you've written or a part of the scenario you fall in love with and they're not getting there quick enough and now you have to either chop cut or edit and some gms just hang on to that one encounter like but this is the whole me-, you know this is the one that i wanted to run how do you what What do you have for those gms out there that just don't know how to let something go and let the players kind of guide you on where they're ta- where they want to take
2: this yeah uh yeah if there's a if there's that one scene or some or, or one element of the game that they've got to get in the game and the players aren't getting it then change the element to fit the scene that, that, that they're currently in you know maybe, right. maybe they had to go to uh, you know like a haunted house or something like that but they went to you know the train station or something like that. just just wherever Ch- change the scene to the train station there's no reason that it's set in stone uh, the big bad, you know, maybe something that there' you know, that, that's in the game, set in the game, like the big bad you know, is, is this person in the game, and but they're constantly going after that other person or that other thing change it to that thing if you're really under the gun and you got to get under, under the cha- under, under the, the element like that, or just totally surprise them and, you know, just come at them sideways with the big bad, go, no, you guys were all wrong. It's this. And you, some, you know, sometimes they're not the most brilliant detectives. It happens. <laughs> and, you know, uh, just change, just change the elements of the, uh, of the scene to, to, to fit what they're playing. That's, that's basically all I, all I've ever done. Uh, usually uh like i uh, like this game that we're playing right now uh it's uh, the, the chapter that they just finished and the ones who are going to be listening to this are, are going to be laughing their butts off right now but uh uh it, it, they're, they're vampire hunting it's a vampire hunting scene game uh in, in call of cthulhu and they find out early on that it's a vampire and they go hunting for the vampire in its lair and stuff like that well it's got um uh, uh he's got like this servant kind of guy who's, like, layered a bunch of bear traps out in the yard and, you know, just covered up a bunch of bear traps with, with leaves and has guard dogs and all this stuff. So these guys, you know, the bad guys are coming. I mean, the, the investigators are coming in with stakes and stuff like that, expecting to take on vampire, and I nearly killed them with a pack of dogs and a guy with a double barrel shotgun. <laughs> Almost every scenario ends up like that. So they got to change their makeup, you know, of uh, their plan of attack to fit the situation uh mm-hmm. you know they, they think they're going after vampires but they're not thinking of oh well the, there's the big you know the guys the big bads got got some backup here that we're totally not prepared for <laughs> you know so you know you just gotta you gotta throw it throw it at them and and then and, and, and go for it I mean there's no real wrong way to do it uh, I don't think so so
0: you know, you're you're talking about you know the, the scenario with with vampires and, and the guy with the shotgun and the bear traps. Yeah. When you're when you're picking the scenario that you want to run at a convention, do you try and pick something with a little bit more action uh, as opposed to environmental storytelling, or do you want something that is completely balanced?
2: Uh, it depends on the players. Uh, if it's a, if it's a game I'm running for people I don't know. Uh, yeah, I like just a general, general open open ticket scenario session. Yeah, I definitely want something with a little more action to keep the people interested in the game. Because you definitely, you know, like the people will be doing the investigation, and you'll definitely you'll end know, you'll see two or three players pulling out their cell phones. I'm like, okay, well, we, we've lost them. <laughs> you know, they don't care about this. They want to jump in where the action is. So I try to mix it up you know, uh, you know, fifty-fifty action investigation. But if I know the players, like I've run, uh, oh, what is that? The, not the white chapel, the Baker street game. Yeah. Okay. I've run the Baker street game and it was complete investigation. The entire game was just hunting down mysteries and confronting the villain, you know, with the, the bad, the bad guy at the end with the evidence. And that's it. There was no fight. There was no confrontation other than a verbal confrontation you know, with, you know, convincing, you know, the the people that this person did it, Uh, but, and everybody had a super fantastic time, but I knew the players would dig it, you know, and I I set it up in the, in the description of the game, you know, this is a purely investigative game. Uh, Again, it depends on the audience.
0: Yeah. So I'm, I'm assuming audience is kind of that big unknown factor when you're running a convention game. Um, in your experience, do you tend to get a lot of players who have the basics of the rules down and just jump into the story, or are they, you know, do you get a lot of new players? I mean, as a as a new player, um, when I used to go to to conventions, the first few times, being a new player, I didn't really jump into those games because I didn't want to be the newbie who didn't know the rules. Uh, so I kind of held back and waited until I learned the rules before jumping in. But, you know, do these players tend to come in with a good grasp of the rules already and you can just jump into the scenario or do you find there's a lot of hand holding on the rules? Uh,
2: it, it, it depends. Uh, I, I really see like uh, as the games are becoming more and more popular, especially like Call, Call, Call of Cthulhu, you know, used to be before, if you run a game for six players four people throw their hands up they never played the game before so you you know so then, then you'd have your your work cut out for you a little bit but now uh maybe one or two players have put their hands up that they never played the game for so yeah the trick is to uh know the game well enough to be able to explain the basic mechanics just be able to look at the character sheet and explain the basic mechanics in the first 10 minutes that's what I do at the beginning of every game. I've just made that part of my time in, 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 in the uh, convention slot to spend at least the first 10 minutes going, this is your attributes, that's what they do. This is your sanity block and health block, that's what they do. Here's your skills, that's what they do. And be able to explain it quickly in about 10 minutes or so, just enough for them to, to, to hear you say it. And then I always tell them, you know, hey, I know you're not going to get this at the beginning we're just going to play and we'll tell you what to roll, you know, uh, if if you're not sure what we're doing. Don't worry about this. You know, just look at your sheet. Uh, just, just, you know, uh, it's pretty well broken down, you know, succinctly how to do it uh, on the sheet. Uh, you know, just explain to them where they're comfortable and then just go.
0: When you're, when you're doing your, your convention prep, do, uh, do you limit the, number of options that uh, you know your your characters are going to have so that if a player is new they don't have to worry about you know 20 different special abilities they have like one or two things they need to, to be able to focus on and that's it or do you just put it this is how the characters created Go no
2: I, I try to set up the team to be where every player is good at one or two things you know everybody's like this these two players over here, are your fighter people? These two people over here are your investigative people. These two people here take care of the group, or are good with interacting with other people. So that way, everybody's got something to do in the game, and 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 can focus on those one or two skills that they're good at. Uh, you know, uh, you know. Again, maybe, maybe some people people are good at just fast talking somebody into something, or persuading, or what have you. And then you got your rough and tumble guys that just like to mix it up. So again, I try to just try to make sure that my, uh, my pre-gens, if you will, are specialized in one or two areas. Everybody can do a little bit of something. You know, that's that's way Call of Cthulhu is. Everybody can do a little bit of something. But you, you try to specialize them towards one or two general areas. Again, so that everybody somehow, somewhere during the game, has a time to shine.
1: That's a great idea. It makes it does make the four hours feel better you got you really don't have a period where anyone's out of the out of the limelight or off the off the grid for too long which is you know if a, a balanced scenario and a balance among the pre-gens is is really that's that's the right way to go it's it makes the oh yeah
2: sense. yeah yeah definitely like when i'm when i'm trying to decide what what uh games i'm going to run at the cons so i always read through them uh and make sure you know is this game gonna is this scenario going to be a a good mix of of investigative versus combat. Uh, You know, will this, will this work for a bunch of people that I don't know that are just coming to sit down to the table? Uh, You definitely got to give it that read through and then uh, make the pre-gens accordingly. Absolutely.
0: So with, with the different personalities you get at the table, uh, are there, are there personalities that just no matter how, how you try and work them in, how you you try and keep everything moving that just do not work at the table people that just you know whatever you say whatever you do they're going to either argue with it ignore it or just try and disrupt everything.
2: I, you know i found out really quickly and this might be where this where the, where the interview turns a little adult and we might need to edit this a little bit <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, i i found out really quickly in in running uh games that there are people who like to have sex and there are people who like to watch (laughs) just to make just just to make uh make it as plain as i possibly can be uh you you over the first hour of the game you will see the people who are taking an active role they're leaned in they're making decisions they're they're speaking up for what their characters in the group is doing and then you got the people who are just kind of just you know sitting back and just enjoying the game, watching it. So you, you try to adapt to make sure that everybody's doing something. But if you see that the person is sitting in the back, you know, lean back in his chair and is comfortable and is, and is still attentive in the game, let it go. You know, there's no need to... Maybe that person doesn't like to be in the limelight, you know, or anything like that and doesn't like the attention drawn to them. So I don't. I give them that opportunity. I'm like, hey, what what, what is your character doing now? And if they just kind of mumble along about what their character's doing, fine, let's go. You know, just try to, again, try to be an adaptive GM. Try to adapt to the player's personalities.
0: Have you ever actually had to have, ask somebody to leave a convention
2: table because they were just being disrupted? Well, one, one or two times, I want to think. One or two times. Usually, the players will, one of a better word, ostracize that player during the game anyway. <laughs> you know, if, if that person's being disruptive, we will, you know, as a group, unfortunately, just kind of ignore whatever they're doing, you know, during the game. I've literally had people uh you know do some pretty disgusting eating habits or something like that at the game and just completely turn people off, <laughs> you know, or just be obnoxious in the game. You know, if they're if they're if they're attacking people or being rude, then you gotta say, hey, you know, time out. Stop the game, and then you know have a, have a quiet conversation with the players. Say, hey, you know we need we need to be a little more civil in our game and stuff like that. And uh, or, or or you need to leave. You know, just just make it that simple. But most of the time, uh, if somebody's being disruptive and just not gelling well with the group, so to speak, I mean, you you t- I don't know. Maybe I'm lucky that I'm get players that are more experienced or something like that. But they, you, you will tendly, generally tend to see that shift in the group of where the people who are playing the game, you know, are playing the game, and they, and the other person who's being disruptive will quickly get shut out.
1: So, Matt, this is a question that we've been, that I struggle with as a horror GM as well sometimes, and uh, I'm, I'm fortunate in that I, I'm running a podcast show. Oh, yeah, I know my, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know my players, right? I we we pick those people to be in this group, and I know I know their limits. But when you're running at a convention, and I'm not trying to, I'm I'm in no way shooting this at Gen Zs and Millennials versus us Gen Xers who are a little different. I'm saying simply that the word trigger is now is now literally a common term, right? How do we as How do you as a horror GM deal with the concept of I could literally have a, a new person sit down with a buddy. They'd never really played it before. They get called over to the table or they pick up a ticket on the last second because there's one spot left at a table. They walk in, can I try? Yeah, I got a f- floating ticket, whatever. And all of a sudden you could be dealing with a situation where the person's grossly uncomfortable with the material or feels that you've, that you've stepped over a line. Um, for me, I know that on my shows, like, the other show we're running, Hellfire Nights, I'm actually putting you know like discretion on it, like it's because some of the material gets darker, it, but that's still not going to be enough if if I happen to hit that one nerve for somebody, and you don't want to offend them, and you don't want to, especially at a convention where your reputation's up on the yeah. wall, your name's everywhere, you want to make people have a good time. But by the same token, not everybody has the same trigger. How are you dealing with that in this modern era? Uh,
2: Yeah, you hit it right on the head with the disclaimer. Uh, Make sure that your game description has a good disclaimer. You know, say, hey, this is adult themes. We're going to be approaching some some, uh, certain things. And try not to spoil the game. But, you know, we're going to be dealing with some adult themes in here that you may not be comfortable with. And, uh, and just have a frank and open discussion at the beginning of the game, especially if somebody just jumped in and said, you know, and just make sure that they know, hey, this game is going to be a little graphic, you know? Mm-hmm. And if you have a problem with that, you know, uh, maybe this is not the game for you. Or maybe if they're still interested in playing, but not, you know, l- a little leery of it, yeah, you tone it down a little bit. You know, that's not, not a problem. Right. You know, again, uh, try to adapt to a group. I guess, I guess that's going to be my channel general keyword, key and i mean that's 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 me in a nutshell i think if anybody can if you can ask anybody that, about how i run the games like you know i can i can float to the situation really quickly
0: yeah yeah i mean i found that uh with the games that i run that i i i only have a very broad overview of what i uh-huh. plan and everything else is adapted to what the players decide to do and how how they are if if they want something that's a little more slapstick, you know, I'll, I'll go that direction. Oh you know, yeah. I'm more than willing to jump in and have fun and make it goofy. Even if it was not intended to be that way, if the whole group is feeling that, then just go yeah. with it.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I've come across this philosophy early on. Uh, You know, the, the scenario as writ, isn't the story. The game that the people are playing is the story, you know uh, you can take, uh, the elements of the of this scenario and and put it into the story but it's rarely I mean I've run several scenarios uh many times. It rarely ends up the same every scenario. You know um uh, rarely ends up the same. Uh I've run uh the old adventure uh the old Star Wars uh West End games adventure Tatooine Manhunt. You may I don't know sure you sure if you're familiar with that game. It's an old classic uh, cat versus mouse versus mouse uh, game, Uh, but uh, uh, it's it's pretty clean cut, you know, scenario, classic sort of scenario, but it never ends the same way, never. And and you you just got to present the uh, the gist, the characters, the the NPCs and the situation to them, and let the story flow
1: that's that's an interesting ideal, and I like that too, because you're right fresh is important. You could take you know Black Creek or whatever any scenario and and modify it you know based on your players and like you said, their strengths weaknesses are where they want to take the investigation but matthew, let me since you are a con well you've done con promoting and you 've done con running yeah this is your philosophy is very different than the d and d adventures league isn 't it I mean they want you on book they want that they want everybody to almost have that experience that if they come out of chapter one. Of whatever that they they finished roughly at the same spot. They know their loot. They if the loot is registered. They move on to the next one, and that's been fairly successful for them in that formula. But yet you're you're touting, and I agree with you. That it should be far more flexible into the players that are sitting at that table at that moment. What, do you what, do you see the positive and negatives in both? Or? Yeah,
2: yeah, absolutely. Uh, I I am not a huge fan of organized play like that, like the Adventurers League. I gave it a try. I ran for for them for a while, um, and yeah, found really quickly that was not my cup of tea because yeah, X needs to lead to Y, then to Z, you know, and and that's it. You know, you can't add anything in. Uh, you got to make sure that the people are on the path and blah, 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 blah. But if the people are digging that, if that's their cup, cup of tea, fine. Let them play that. Um, mm-hmm. It's not mine. So I will allow the other people who are comfortable with playing that sort of scenario, you know, situation, provide that entertainment for those players. I I will do mine. <laughs> you know, I, I guess that's the yep. easiest way to put it yeah so all right
0: you know we've talked uh, a lot about conventions and convention games um let's let's talk a little bit more about matthew here um i know you run call of cthulhu you brought up the west end game star wars
2: what other games uh do you enjoy running oh my gosh uh it's funny you asked that because in in the lurking fears group uh uh i think i just put up a uh uh, a contest, or not not just a contest, but just kind of like a, a request to make a, uh, a different character every day, like in January, but just create a new, create a character. Uh, and uh, some people are like, man, that, that sounds challenging. I'm like, really, that sounds challenging? You know what? I can create a different character for a different system every day. Just off the ones that I would like to play any kind of time of day, like any any kind of day like that. Uh, you know, and I just ran off a list of of like the people, the games off the top of my head, and I went to like you know Traveler, uh, Star Wars, Marvel superheroes, Champions, you know, and started just going down list. Before I ha- before I knew it, I had you know thirty one different systems that I would play for any any time, uh, or or I'm currently playing or planning to play off the top of my head. Uh, and, and the people are like, wow, that's an amazing list, blah, blah, blah. So I, I really need to get out of my comfort zone of these games. I'm like, yeah. So, honestly, if I really reached for it, I could probably come up with three months of, of different games that I've played. You know, sad, wow. sad, to, sad to say, or, play, or, or or games that I would be interested in playing, or something like that. You know, there's, There are so yeah. many great systems and so many uh, wonderful ideas that have come through gaming since. Since its creation in what the 70s, late 70s, mm-hmm. you know, there's been so many great systems. I mean, there's, there's like my holy trinity is Call of Cthulhu, Traveler, and maybe Star Wars uh, or D&D. It's, that That's my, that's, you know, those two are kind of neck and neck, uh, uh, depending on the edition and, 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 and what, you know, and, and my thoughts of the game at the time. Uh, you know, that's my Holy Trinity, and they're completely different from each other. You know, Cthulhu's horror, Traveller sci-fi, D and D, you know, is fantasy and stuff like that. You know, uh,
1: <laughs> Traveller sci-fi, except during character creation. Yeah. That is, a that, show. that is a horror show. It <laughs> is
2: a complete horror show. Yeah, yeah. I've I've had people just literally have a fit. You know, coming up on their third term and eh, you're dead. You're like, what? <laughs> I haven't even played the game. Yeah, I know, I know. Or or even worse, come out of the game you know, severely handicapped due to an incident or something like that. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, you know you, you know, you got a character, but your uh, your strength stats at a negative four, you know, or something like that.
1: <laughs> the, Navy, the Navy, thanks. Exactly. For <laughs> exactly.
2: Thank you for your service, citizen. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But I love, I love that game. Uh, whenever people ask me, because a lot of people never heard of Travel, you've either loved the game or you never heard of it. Um, and I always try to say if you've watched the expanse, then you can play traveler. If you like the expanse, oh yeah, that I mean that is traveler in a nutshell. It doesn't get more hard sci-fi <laughs> than than the expanse. Uh you know, I used to say Firefly a lot because that's usually how my games usually ended up being. <laughs> Some version of Firefly, a little more slapstick, a little more fun and tongue in cheek, kind of kind of a game. But what, ever since right. the expanse came out, I'm like. Do you like the Expanse? Yeah, then you can play Traveller. You're good. <laughs> <I know. laughs> exactly.
1: So, Rich, so, why don't you real quick for we have only a few minutes left, but give us your Holy Trinity. Oh, my Holy Trinity. Yeah, go ahead. Ooh, geez. Um
0: Well, only because it's it's you know my my first RPG is D anD D is at the top. Um, I've always loved fantasy, so that is the the top cool. of my list. Um, my second is one I actually haven't played yet, but it's one I'm looking forward to trying out. Uh, and that is going to be the new cyberpunk. Oh, that's actually.
2: a great game. It is, yeah. is a super beautiful game. Yeah.
0: So I, I downloaded the, uh, the quick start cyberpunk. Yeah. The jumpstart kit. hmm Yep. Just so I could, you know, start to to read a little bit about it because that whole cyberpunk thing has always fascinated me. I mean, I've got Shadowrun. I just the bucket of dice always just starts to kill me after yeah. a while. Um, then uh, you know, my third one, third one's a tough one. Um, like I I I backed Hellboy because I'm a huge Hellboy oh, yeah. fan. I mean, if you see my my collection, uh, I've got more hellboy than i know what to do with um but i mean it's it's really just based on the 5e rules uh with some changes um so probably my third would be would be call of cthulhu um again that's one of the my originals i still have my original box set from the early amen 80s. there you go brother so uh so yeah i mean I, I loved it when it came out. Uh, the, the whole pulp era has always fascinated me. Uh, you know, The Shadow, Doc Savage, uh, you know, the Lovecraft stories, all of that. So that time period always appealed mm-hmm. to me, uh, which is why I picked up Call of Thule to begin with. Um, so, yeah, that would have to be my, my trinity. Um, but if, you know, I start really digging all those old TSR ones, Top Secret, oh, yeah. Boot Hill, Gangbusters. I played all of that and loved every bit of it. Absolutely,
1: yeah, yeah. Mine, I'm just gonna give mine quick. It's gonna be Vampire the Masquerade, um, V2, because that's when it became massive, and I was really, really involved in Night Night Owl and White with Night Owl Theater and all yeah. that stuff. Uh, it would definitely my next one would probably have to be in terms of time played Traveler. Now I haven't played it in a long, long time, but I put I logged many, many hours <laughs> in Traveler first. Many, many. It's a lot of fun, and yeah. then yeah, and my third one, uh, well, Call of Cthulhu, and then just my the one I'm going to be playing because I don't care if anybody plays with me. I may just run it by myself. I may do both parts on a podcast one night. Um, is Conan by Modifius? Their new D two D. Oh, that's system. a good game. It's a good it. game. Love love the character creation concepts. Love the verse of Conan. I am a massive Robert E. Howard guy. So those are mine. But let's go back to Matt. I just wanted to see what Rich's was because I was. I didn't. I didn't expect Call of Cthulhu in yours, Rich. I didn't think that one was going to come up there, but that's cool. Yeah. No. Like I said,
0: it's. It was. It was one of my early ones. Yeah. After D and D, Call of Cthulhu was the second game I ever had.
1: Oh shit! I think mine was Gamma World. Gamma World. Oh man. Oh, Reaching Gamma back. World. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's right.
0: I yeah. I think I played a giant
2: rabbit in Gamma <laughs> World. Well, like, like wow. you should. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I can't. I can't. I can't think of uh, Gamma World without thinking of Thundar. Honestly, it always ends up being a Thundar campaign. Oh,
0: absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I, there was an episode of Thundar where uh, the the enemy had found an old battleship and attached all this stuff to it. Um, and I literally drew out a, a map of what this battleship would be like in Gamma World. Big, huge tree logs on the front with spikes <laughs> on it. Oh, I, I love yeah,
2: that. you could really let things go in that game. You really could. Yep.
1: Yes, mm-hmm. sir. Dystop, dystopia 1.0. <laughs> well, you don't give a
2: frick anymore. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> so we only have a few minutes left, I know, because, Matthew, I know you're, you're on a time crunch as well. Yeah. So what, Rich, we were going to do Raw versus Ray, right?
0: Yep. Now we got Raw versus Ray. So here is where the answers don't really matter. This is all just sure. fun. Um and we're gonna do ours this time uh
1: based around conventions so go ahead bruno you got the first one (laughs) so this is more of a a quick story i'm sure from you i at least i think you might have one what's the weirdest question you've ever had a gm come up to you and when you're either running a con or one you faced yourself that a player's posed to them or said i don't agree with you there's a there's a discrepancy how do i handle this situation at a table you i know you've been an overseer for many tables running at once have you ever had somebody come up to you with a sob story and just go i don't know how to handle this it's killing me oh, oh yeah yeah that
2: happens a lot uh you know it goes back to the situation you, like you were talking about earlier with you know ab- obstructive gamers uh basically you that's when you got to put your foot down and say you know that th- this is what it is you know this is a, this is our rule and th- that's what we play by if you don't like the rules leave the house i don't know what to tell you <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know?
1: I find it hard asking you to, I, I, I could see you. You're pretty good. You're, you're a big you're a good sized dude. Like yeah. me. I, you, I could see you escorting somebody out of the building. I just don't see you. wanting no, to do No,
2: like, I absolutely don't want to do it. I absolutely do not want to. You're absolutely right. I would re- rather everybody be fr- uh, happy and shiny and playing the game. Uh, but yeah, it happens. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. I can, I can count on one finger where that's happened. So, you know, I, I, well, yeah. Okay. Out of, out of 30, 30 years of doing this, you know, that's not bad. Yeah. <laughs> you know?
1: Yeah.
0: So have you ever run a game at a convention where somebody did something so unexpected that was completely against the rule,
2: but was so good. You just had to let it. Go? Oh yeah. Yeah. And that again, man, you got me thinking of the obstructive player. <laughs> you, <know? laughs> yeah, you still got me on that, on that thing. Uh, like, you know, uh, like someone was being so obstructive in the game that the, the group as the group at the table uh, you know broke the golden rule of uh, you know keeping the party together and you know everybody watching out for each other and generally let that person go off on their own and die you know? <laughs> you know? And uh, it it was it was, uh, it was really awkward <laughs> but, you know, or, or something like that. you know uh, yeah, people often come up with something out of their head. Uh, you know, that, that, that will throw you. And you're like, I never thought of that. And again, just being able to be reactive and just go with the situation. And it usually comes off the slapstick because it's, it is so odd or so, so bizarre that everybody's kind of laughing anyway, you know? So, so go, go with it. Absolutely.
1: So the only other question I have, that's, that's kind of, it's not really a role Ray, but more of an observation on your part um, so there's old school players that came up like the three of us, right? The guys that have, that were basically the geeks in the basement through satanic panic and everything, the ones who were, who paved the way for the RPG years of today. And those players played a certain way, because D D sort of was designed that way, right? Where my my guy checks for traps. He, he, you, you, you say what the character's doing. And then there's this next group that, um, I'm fortunate enough to play with some of them where they actually acted out, where they say, okay, so I go over and, and they say it in voice, in character, and they represent totally, you know, the character as it's being, they're more immersive, yeah. I think. Like the ones was more about how do I use the rule? How do I, because we were trying to figure out the mechanics of the games. We were trying to understand these massive giant mathematical formulas for Thacko and everything yeah. else. And then you have the players today who want to just jump in, shred their skin and go, okay, you know, I'm, I'm a vampire of Clan Toriador. I do this, this, and this, and I'm going to dress like the part and I'm coming into town and I'm going to knock it out of the park. Do you, where do you see the, do you see the more, the younger players really grasping that more? And do you like where it's going or do you feel that it needs to be some sort of a balance?
2: Uh, I, I tend to strike for a balance, but then again, being a reactive GM, I give I give mm-hmm. the players what they want. You know, uh, I go back to a, I'm not sure if you're familiar with uh professor dungeon master, uh, his YouTube channel, fantastic YouTube channel.
1: Okay, totally. yeah, yeah. Okay,
2: uh, uh, he talks about where you know a little like I don't know, probably want to say eight or nine year old girl wanted to play the game, didn't know anything about the rules, but wanted to be a fairy, you know, wizard with a rainbow sword. Fine, here you go, little girl. Here's here here here. Tell me what you want to do. Didn't even worry about a character sheet. Tell me what you want to do and you know and she she tells them right. what she wants to do and then my rainbow sword does this and my rainbow sword does that the car- the, the girls having a, a, a lovely time you know the, everybody else unless they're complete asses are also going to have a good time watching this girl get immersed into the game you know uh mm-hmm. you know again i just react to the situation uh it, it, you know if they want the balance uh if they, if they want more rules give them more rules if they if they want to to uh you know, dance around the, the woods naked. You know, uh, maybe we need to find another room, but okay. We need to charge admission. Exactly. You know, <laughs> make, make the most of the situation, I guess. <laughs> awesome.
0: All right. So we're, we're just about out of time. And I want to give you a chance, Matthew, to, uh, is there anything you want to
2: plug? Uh, actually, yeah. I mean, the only thing we really operate right now is like the Lurking Fears channel on, uh, uh, not channel, but, uh, the, uh, uh, Facebook site. I mean, again, it's just like an open resource where anybody can come in and ask questions. Uh, we often throw out ideas about where we're going to be at, what we're going to do, or, or, or usually just ends up being like a meme forest. Uh, <laughs> you know that that people also get ideas from, uh, but yeah, everybody's welcome to you know more than welcome to come join us on the Lurking Fears channel uh, or Facebook w- uh, webpage. I also run a Lurking Fears uh, Discord channel where we run a lot of different games. You, anybody's welcome to use that. It's an open resource for anybody. I have a dice spot on there. Everybody can just kind of jump in and play a game. Uh, just you know, ask me for the link how to how to do it. Uh, you can ask me on the on the, on the Facebook page um yeah other than that uh you know with with the way cons are going next this year i mean i've i've already gotten reports uh through some of the people i know at cons that you know a lot of cons are not going to also often also happen next year i've already got word uh from the people at gary con they're not going to have a physical con uh and I'm, i'm waiting to hear on like origins as we speak uh uh you know wow. so again we may have another year of no cons. so something i have thought of doing uh and it's all gonna be you know covid and, and comfort level depending is is uh just go to s- certain cities uh that i know certain people are are, are welcome are wanting to play at and do like a pop-up con uh either go to a library or a local game store or something like that where people again are still comfortable and gathering and playing small gatherings 10 20 people i'd say at the most you know uh, and 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 offer some games for some people to play that that are just tired of running games on discord i get it i completely get it it's a challenge <laughs> you know it, it's so much yeah. more of a challenge than, than running at the table and, and 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 for people that just want to get together and by only see each other again and play at the table uh i've been offering that option uh to, for next year just go to different cities like chicago uh i think i'm going to be in tampa uh see definitely definitely columbus and then here in louisville uh and then you know just time time and uh covid per, covid permitting you know it, it, if we can do it we're just in extremely broad strokes of it right now just kind of planning it uh just seeing if it's even feasible but uh, I, I definitely wanted to put that option out there to go hey you know i get it you know you you want to see your people you want to see your friends let's try to do something extremely small scale
1: I, I applaud you for that, too, Matt. That's that's a great idea. Thank you.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, I'll
0: definitely be hopping on to Lurking Fears, trying to, uh, you know, get information when I need it and
2: just be able to keep
0: an eye on everything. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. Do, yeah. The biggest thing uh, about Lurking Fears is, like, do not be afraid to ask. No one's going to sit there and ridicule you or throw you out of room or call you a noob or anything like that. We all have been there. So Bruno's not on yeah, there, exactly.
1: not yeah, there. Yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, had, we had to find him a, di- a different room. We had to find him a different room. <laughs> <laughs> the one with the, the, one with the
1: exactly.
2: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But uh no, I mean yeah, everybody's extremely open to you know, we've all been there, we've all not had the resource. So we tried to be the resource. <laughs> you know.
1: Fabulous. All right,
0: that's great. Um thank you again, Matthew, for coming on. It was a pleasure having you on here and, and hearing some of your your information about running convention thank you. games. And uh hopefully uh Sometime in the future, we'll get you back on. Maybe talk about something after we've actually had some conventions and see how people's moods have changed. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. It sounds good. Look forward to it. Yeah, you're a great guest, Matt. Thank you so much. Thank for you, bro. Time.
0: All right. Thank you, everyone. And good night. Good night, everybody. Thank you so much, guys. You have been listening to the Bardic College Behind the Screens. If you'd like to support us, you can click the link in the episode description. Or if you'd like additional content, you can follow us on Patreon at patreon.com slash thebardiccollege. If you are interested in following us or you would like to be on our show, you can find us on Facebook at The Bardic College or on Twitter at bardic underscore the, or you can email us at College at gmail.com.